This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is a podcast hosted by Waikato Environment Centre or Go Eco. Listen in each week to hear the aspirations and mahi of the Go Eco Waikato team. We are a voice for the environment, a centre for learning and a catalyst for change. In our last podcast, Alvisa van der Leyden, Regional Conservation Manager for the Taranaki and Waikato regions for Forest and Bird, joined us to talk about the emissions trading scheme and why native forests as opposed to pine forests or exotic forests should be included in that scheme. Today we've been joined by Valerie Morse, Communications Officer for the Zero Waste Network, to talk to us about the Regeneration Not Incineration campaign and a call for Waipa residents to join a public meeting to oppose an incineration plant being built in Te Awamutu. But first, Harvey and the Project Echo team want to thank everyone who let us put a bat monitor in their tree in Kirikiriro throughout March. These recordings help us understand more about where the Pekapeka Tauroa are in the city so we can better protect them. Monit- monitoring is now happening in parts of Cambridge, which is awesome. Don't forget predator control, which is trapping rats, stoats and possums, is the best chance our native birds have to survive in the habitats they have left. You can help by trapping in your backyard. Head to uh, the Go Eco shop, 188 Commerce Street in Frankton, or shop online, shop.goeco.org.nz, and head to the predator-free shop. We rescued about... 30,000 kilos of edible food in March. By diverting it from landfill, we reduce carbon emissions and help to feed people in the community. We want to thank, uh, take this opportunity to thank our free store partners and our volunteers for going above and beyond every single day for our communities. If you're interested in volunteering time to help restore our gullies, you don't need any experience. You don't even need to know the difference between a weed and a native plant because you'll be shown. So if you're interested in getting involved, there are opportunities across the city during the week or in the weekend. Most of these are held monthly, but you can go to the ones that you are available for and pick and choose. Email hello at goeco.org.nz for an up-to-date list of restoration working bees across Roa. Bike Hub Repairs and Maintenance is open every Thursday and Saturday at GoEco from 10 till 12pm. Pop in to learn how to fix or service your bike. That's your tyres, chain, brakes or gears. Uh, we are also taking donations of bikes or good bike parts too. So if you have an old bike or an unused bike lying around, you know where to find us. We are collaborating with Ngāti Wairere and Ngāti Mahi Trust for a workshop on seed collection and propagation. It will be held at Pokimokimoki Bush Reserve, 9-2pm Saturday the 23rd of April. Lunch will be provided, but a koha is appreciated. Email anna at goeco.org.nz to register. From May 11th, our lunchtime and evening fortnightly talks in collaboration with Earth Diverse will restart for Term 2. The focus this term is restoring relationships. 
Our first lunchtime speaker is Murray Holt to talk about what is working well in the Mangaiti Gully Restoration Project. And the first evening talk is by Andrew Thomas to talk about restoring tui in the city. Head to earthdiverse.org.nz for more info or give Anna an email again, anna at goeco.org.nz. You can also keep an eye on our social media as well. Uh, You'll also need to keep an eye on our social media for food growing workshops, which will also restart in May. The GoEco shop is open 10 till 4, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, and most Saturdays 9 till 12. Um, But of course, you can shop online, shop.goeco.org.nz for all your uh, zero waste, zines, art, gardening needs. And books, so many books. Finally, if you love Frankton as much as we do, and I know you do, we've been hearing a lot about it over the last month, which is really, really cool, you can contribute to what might be the first ever zine on Frankton. Send us your story, poem, drawing, comic or photos and we'll include it in a collaborative zine. So what's a zine? Basically, it's a homemade independent publication, a little bit like a brochure but handmade Um, and you don't need to be a professional artist or really good at it. We're taking submissions from everybody because we're all part of the Frankton community. Uh, You can uh, bring those items into the shop when it's open, again, 10 to 4, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or you can email them through to Sandra at hello at goeco.org.nz. Again, you'll find more information about this on our social media. So when we return from a song break, we're going to be talking to Valerie Morse about uh, incineration, uh, regeneration, not incineration, for the environment and for our climate. You'll also be finding out about a planned proposal for a waste energy plant to be built in a Te Awamutu and what you can do to oppose that. Uh, so more from Valerie just after the song break. Fast enough. 
te whakarongo mai, kwe ki puna kōrero, a podcast hosted by Go Eco Waikato. Today, as I mentioned earlier, we've been joined by Valerie Morse, the Communications Officer for the Zero Waste Network, to talk to us about the Regeneration Not Incineration campaign and a call for Waipa residents to join a public meeting to oppose an incineration plant being built in Te Awamutu. Uh, morena, Valerie. Kia Quite a bit we, we need to get through here, but I do want um, you to start by letting us know a little bit more about Zero Waste Network, who you are you know, and what you do. Okay, well, the Zero Waste Network is essentially the national umbrella organization for resource recovery, zero waste projects, um, community enterprise projects that are working on waste minimization, resource recovery, repair, reuse, um, and all things kind of zero waste. So, for example, um, possibly familiar to some of your members will be um, Extreme Zero Waste out in Raglan, which is one of our, um, our definitely our, our key sites um, where there's some really amazing community work happening over there. And, of course, GoEco are also members of the Zero Waste Network, but just on Extreme Zero Waste. Um, before we go into uh, all of this a little bit more, are they like a shining example of what we would love to see happening in communities across Aotearoa? Absolutely, yeah. I think Extreme Zero Waste has been operating um, since the late 1990s when the community was faced with the, the closure of their landfill um, and there was a discussion about what the community wanted to have happen and they really dove in kind of um, boots and all into into resource recovery and that was really driven um, by the spirit of the community to protect the Taiao, the environment, um, and to create opportunities for people in the community so i think that that's you know it is a really shining example of what can happen when people are empowered um, and have the resources to to kind of undertake that kind of work in their community mm. so you have a petition on action station at the moment regeneration not incineration for a zero waste aotearoa can you tell us what you're asking the associate minister for the environment and local governments to do and why well, effectively, um, what we're seeing across the country at the moment is a proliferation of these kind of um, proposals for um, so-called waste to energy. Um, and that's really a euphemism or another way of talking about incineration. So sometimes um, people actually talk about incineration, which most people understand to be mm. burning rubbish. But there's a couple of other technologies um, one of them is called pyrolysis, another one is called gasification. And these are effectively incineration, but they're kind of two-stage incineration. So I'm explaining this because often people say, oh, well, that's not incineration. It is actually defined in the United States and the European Union as incineration because what happens is rubbish goes into these facilities, it's heated to a very high temperature, and gas comes out of that, and then that gas is burned. And so... For all intents and purposes, it effectively is just burning the rubbish. It's just that it happens in two stages rather than in one. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're seeing these we're seeing these um, kinds of proposals come before local government, and communities across the country are kind of then being forced to respond to these um, these proposals. Most of which are not wanted in these communities. And so, you know, a couple of um, you know, international kind of companies come into the community and they think, oh, this is a great place to build a waste incinerator. Next thing you know, the community is having to fight these things off. And so we're, we're, our petition essentially is, to, is, is really seeking some leadership from central government on 
the matter of waste to energy. Um, and we're asking them to, to look, you know, to essentially to call in applications and decline their applications to build these kinds of waste to energy um, incinerators. And also to really to support the transition to a circular economy by establishing, you know, resource recovery centers across across the country. So not just in, you know, the places like Raglan, but really everywhere in communities across the country. Auckland's got a huge um, project underway to develop 20 resource recovery centers across the city to meet a zero waste by 2040 goal. And this is the kind of ambitious stuff that we really need to be ha- seeing happen in the waste space. Mm-hmm. I just want to ask, when I, when I think incinerators, I'm probably thinking what most people do. It looks very industrial. It looks very polluty, for, you know, for, for want of a better word. But is the waste energy um, incineration plants you're talking about, the ones we hear about that are in the likes of Sweden, where they, they got rid of so much waste they had to start importing it? Is that the one we're talking about? Um, that, like, I guess I would say many of these have been essentially painted green. Mm. You know, they have been greenwashed and presented in a way that makes them look like um, slightly less like giant black smokestacks, um, but they really aren't actually significantly different. Like some of them are plant- painted in nice bright colors. Um, some of them have got an information center at them. You know, some of them are removing recyclable materials out of them. Um, but they are still incinerators and they're still taking um, stuff and burning it up. Um, and there's a, a multiplicity of problems with doing that. Okay. So when, when you say we want a regenerative circular economy instead, I mean, we've, we've uh, looked at the example extreme zero waste, but what else would that look like for us? Because we know waste at the moment here in Aotearoa is a huge issue and it is taking up a lot of space in landfill. So what would you like to see happen? Well, I think, I think the zero waste perspective is really grounded very much in the idea of the waste hierarchy. And if people aren't familiar with the waste hierarchy, as I wasn't before I came to work for the Zero Waste Network, it's, it's, it's a pretty common sense idea, which is basically we shouldn't create stuff that's only ever going to be waste in the first place. So if, if we know that it's just simply going to go from being made to going in the rubbish bin, um, and there's no way to recover it, there's no way to recycle it, to repair it, to reuse it, or to compost it, then we actually shouldn't be creating it um, because we cannot keep creating all this stuff and shipping it off to landfill. Um, so we've got you know retailers across the country that sell all kinds of junk that basically can't be fixed when it's broken and it breaks really easily. So I guess what I'd say is our work in, in, in terms of thinking about a regenerative um, economy is about essentially stopping the flow of materials through the economy, stopping the, 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 the rate at which stuff is being pulled out of the ground, turned into stuff, and then sent to landfill. Um, and so really slowing that down, basically banning the use of a whole lot of stuff that cannot be recycled, reused, mm-hmm. you know, composted, all those things that I talked about. Um, and then working on finding ways to, to meaningfully actually reuse this stuff in the in the economy so ultimately what we want to see is is institutional changes so zero waste isn't very much about people making personal life choices to to not use a plastic bag it's much more about the institutional settings which make it easy for people to live in a way where they don't create a whole lot of rubbish Um, and that means producer responsibility the people who are making this stuff needs to stop making rubbish and start making things that can 
last the distance. I'm so glad you said that um, because I think individuals, a lot of us feel a lot of guilt about the choices that we sometimes make and, and the things that we purchase um, when we don't have the best options to start with and certainly not affordable options, which I think is one of the bigger problems as well. So it's great that you've highlighted that this is not about individuals, it's more about the systems that we currently have in place and um, the lack of choices, a lack of affordable choices. Um, oh, that's that's abso- that's absolutely right. And you know, we see a lot of stuff going on in the zero waste lifestyle space, and that's very nice if you can afford it. Mm. Um, but for, for for many people, the cost of living is absolutely prohibitive at the moment. And you know, if you go to the grocery store and you want to buy a fresh fruit and vegetable, you know, one of the things that I notice is that the cheapest fresh fruit and vegetable is often pad- packaged in a plastic bag you every get- time. <laughs> ten, 10 of something in a plastic bag, whereas you can only buy two of the same things that aren't in a plastic bag. Why is that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you know, the, these, these are choices. These are not things about which you have a great deal of choice. Um, and that just extends across the landscape. So what we really need are the kind of legislative set settings. So we need legislation, we need regulation, but we also need the kind of producer responsibility um, that comes with mandatory product stewardship, and that's making com- you know making companies take responsibility for their packaging. Mm. And one of the interesting things I think about right now, we've got a proposal for a container return scheme, and many people in New Zealand will remember the old days of the the milk you know milk collection at your doorstep. But that was essentially container return. They took your milk bottles away, they filled them back up, they brought them back. Um, but, you know, when you go and buy a, a fizzy drink at the, at the dairy, you're not buying the glass bottle or the plastic bottle. You're buying what's inside of it, which you can consume. And then what are you supposed to do with this plastic bottle or this glass bottle? You know, like the reality is, is that there has to be a system to deal with that. Um, and at the moment, our recycling systems are woefully inadequate. Um, to actually deal with this kind of stuff. So what we want to see are the kind of refill systems, actually, that in some cases actually existed in the past and Mm. worked really well. Yeah, and I think people underestimate the uh, energy that goes into recycling. Recycling's fine, but it's an energy-intensive process in in itself. So certainly not something that should be at the the top of that... um, that pyramid you mentioned earlier. We've got about five minutes left and we really do need to talk about what's happening in Te Awamutu. So there's currently a proposal to build a waste to energy incinerator there. Um, Global Contracting Solutions Limited has applied to the Waipa District Council for land use consent. Can you talk to us about uh, what's happening in terms of that process um, and, and what the community might inspect in terms of ways that they can influence that decision or effectively oppose it? Yeah. So, um, so this is a proposal to build a very large waste incinerator at 401 Racecourse Road in Te Awamutu. So it's an area that's immediately adjacent to a planned residential development. There's already residential houses um, immediately next to it, um, and most of the site is ne- is, is subject to flooding. It, it's a, alongside um, a little stream as well. I think it's called the Mangapiko um, stream, um, and this this incinerator would burn about 166,000 tons a year of of waste. So it would burn uh, mixed waste from households, it would burn plastics, it would burn tires, about 35,000 tons of tires, Mm -hmm. and it would also burn what's called flock, which is essentially the leftover remains from the scrap metal process. Um, So this facility would generate about 23 tons a day of toxic ash, um, 23 and tons, it's mind-blowing. 
Yeah, well, well, it would, uh, so it would take it would take about 450 tons of rubbish a day and turn it into 23 tons of toxic rubbish. Um, so while it reduces, so I think that's the interesting thing about about the discussion between in, uh, about incinerators is people always say, well, they're better than a landfill. And what I always say to people is, if you build an incinerator, you still need a landfill. It's just that the stuff that you're landfilling from an incinerator is now actually hazardous waste. Um, because it's concentrated the materials that have come um, from that waste and turned them into dangerous heavy metals and chemicals. Um, so, you know, you, the, the discussion needs to move beyond incineration versus landfill because it actually, neither one of those things is the answer. Mm. Um, so a couple of the other things I want to say is that what comes out of the smokestacks from an incinerator include dioxins, which some people have heard about, which are cancer-causing carcinogens. So... Basically, they're, they're the, the materials that come out of kind of the burning of plastics um, and, and, and other materials like that. There's also things like um, particulate matter, which gets deep into the lungs of people and is particularly dangerous um, to elderly, to children, to those with respi- respiratory diseases and things like that. Um, there's dust, there's odor, there's carbon monoxide. But also there's huge amounts of um, greenhouse gases. So when you burn things like plastics, what you do is you release huge amounts of carbon dioxide um, into the atmosphere. So these things are, are not a way to get rid of the problem of landfills. They are creating a whole different set of problems um, for the community, but also much wider than the community. So. Not only um, would this be really dangerous for the community and the health and the well-being of the community, but actually this isn't really about dealing with the community of Te Awamutu's rubbish. The amount of waste they're talking about would, in, would, would mean that the community would need to import rubbish. Um, so they would become a net importer of rubbish into the community. They could, they could take, and because incinerators essentially have to run at full capacity, you can't run them with just a little bit of rubbish. They need to start bringing in rubbish from all over the region. Um, so what's happening is there's actually a, a, an application before the Waipa District Council for a land use, for a change of land use. So the area where they want to build the incinerator is not currently consented for that type of land use. Um, it is considered to be a non-complying activity under the district plan, so they need a resource consent. So if people want to oppose this project, that's one opportunity is to say, we don't want this land turned into a facility for a waste incinerator. I'm sorry, Valerie, so the, I've got 30 seconds left. Um, can we have the details for the public meeting? Uh, because that's where we really need people to go and get more information so they can oppose this. Yeah, definitely. So the, the, the public meeting is happening on Wednesday, the 20th of April, and it's happening online at 7 p.m., and the details for that can be found on the Go Eco Facebook page under events, on the Zero Waste Network Facebook page under events. So please do join us. We're going to be talking all about this proposal and about how you can get involved and help stop it. Wonderful. Uh, Valerie, thank you so much for joining us and, and giving us so much information about this as well. We really, really appreciate it. And I will see you at that meeting. Awesome. Thank you, mate. Uh, so that's Valerie Morse from the Zero Waste Network to talk about an incineration plant that is um, looking at being set up in Te Awamutu. So Hipuna Kōrero is a podcasted ho- podcast hosted by Go Eco Wakato Environment Centre. You can find out more about us on our website, goeco.org.nz, or you'll also find us on the corner of Commerce and Kent Street in Frankton. Uh, kia pai tōra e hoa mā.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.